0: Hello, Omar, it's Ruby.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: I'm good. How are you going?
1: Oh, fine. We, we don't have a virus.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guys are going well.
1: <laughs> yes, it's very bad there, eh?
0: It's not good. We're all wearing masks every day now, um, but the yes. numbers the numbers aren't good.
1: Yeah, oh.
0: Hey, Omar, do you mind if I ask you some questions about the knitting and the beanie club to maybe use on my podcast if I record yeah. it? Is that okay?
1: Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. If, I know, if I know something,
0: yes. <laughs> um, okay, so tell me a little bit about the Beanie Club and how it started.
1: Um, somebody said, oh, the Children's Hospital, well, they liked little teddies and little, the very tiny beanies for the babies they are born too early, in the human crib, the, the premature, baby. The
0: premature babies? Yeah, yeah.
1: they're for them. And then somebody asked for the Red Cross and ambulance They asked these very small teddies, they call a trauma teddies. They take them in the ambulance if some accident and when a little baby or little kid uh, has an operation.
0: Mm-hmm. How long has it been going on then?
1: Uh, nearly 15 years. 15 years? Yeah, we meet every Monday morning. It's such a nice little group. Nobody has any, any pretense or, you know, nothing. They're all very nice, normal people, so... <laughs> and, yeah, we... We chat a bit and knit a bit and laugh a bit and have a coffee and then come home again. But we're not we're not having the weenie grip on the moment because they're all elderly, and uh, so everybody's a bit scared.
0: And that's because of coronavirus.
1: Yes, 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 yes. Yeah.
0: From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7 a.m. That was my grandmother. She's a volunteer who's staying at home because of the pandemic. COVID is having a big impact on Australia's charity sector. Two thirds of all volunteers are gone, donations are drying up and thousands of charities risk reaching a point where they can no longer offer services. Today, Mike Seckham on the challenges charities are facing and what we might lose if they collapse. Like you've been writing about charities during the pandemic. How is coronavirus affecting the sector?
2: Well, it's affecting it in all sorts of negative ways. To start with, they've lost a huge number of their volunteers. About two-thirds of people, 65%, have stopped volunteering because of the pandemic because, you know, many of these volunteers are older. They're often retired people who are naturally concerned about their health at this time. And so without them, there are op shops closed down all over the country and what have you. So so that's part one of the crisis.
0: Max Eccam is a Saturday Papers national correspondent.
2: The other thing is, of course, that COVID-19 has also robbed the charities of a sizable chunk of their revenue because it's made fundraising difficult. So all those charity bike rides and gala balls and sausage sizzles outside Bunnings and all of those face-to-face type fundraising opportunities have essentially been closed down Mm. so that's a big hit to them too you know about 20 percent of the of the total sector funding comes from donations and so that's two things and on top of that there's mounting evidence that donors are increasingly tapped out they gave during the bushfire crisis to the fireys and now they're less willing to open their wallets because you know there's only a certain quantity of charitable dollars to go around
0: and are there particular charities that are susceptible at the moment or is this something that is an issue across the sector?
2: Well, it's patchy. A lot of the frontline sort of people who feed the homeless and that sort of thing are still getting reasonable donations and a lot of charities that provide government services are continuing on. But the more reliant they are on donors, you know, the more reliant they are onto that face-to-face kind of interaction to get money from people, the, the worse affected they are.
0: And do we know how big this decline will be and what it will mean for charities?
2: Well, we have a fair idea of of what happens in circumstances like this based on recent history. I spoke with David Crosby, who's the chief executive of the Community Council for Australia, which is sort of the umbrella group, and he said that during the global financial crisis, the average amount given to charities by Australians fell by about 20% and then stayed down for about three years, so, you know, it looks like it's going to be much worse this time because, in fact, the economic circumstances are much worse this time.
0: There's a history in Australia of us being quite generous when an unfortunate natural disaster or event happened, and we saw that during the bushfires and we've seen that during COVID. But there's a relatively small number of charities that benefit from that when there isn't an
2: economic downturn. So um, he was saying that at the beginning of the year, you know, after the fires, before the pandemic, many charities that were already saying that they were reporting their worst start to the year. And they were hoping that it would pick up before the end of the financial year, because, of course, a lot of people give to charity just before tax time so they can get their deductions. And that hasn't happened.
0: We weren't seeing a good start to the year, except for bushfire charities. We were hoping that we'd have a big sort of May, June, end of financial year. That hasn't really eventuated.
1: And in some cases, charities, are significantly down on their fundraising.
2: It's pretty dire. Crosby told me he's had to counsel some charities out of selling down their assets. You know, not that they have a lot of assets, but selling down their assets at the bottom of the market in order to keep meeting their operating expenses and providing their support services. So his concern is that that many organisations will be transformed into what he calls zombie charities within a year or two.
0: What's a zombie charity?
2: Well, they exist but they're no longer able to do their work. He says that they will start with cutting staff, cutting infrastructure, and then going on from there to cutting their programs. He calls it the starvation cycle, and and many charities are already in it.
0: We'll be back in a moment. Mike, how big is the charitable sector in Australia? What's actually at risk here?
2: Well, the charitable sector is huge in Australia. Tim Costello tells me this dates back sort of to the post-war years and the Menzies government, where instead of going down the same route as Britain, where the state provided everything directly, in Australia, by delivering services through charities, you know, government direct funding of charity, and also tax breaks for people giving to charity, we became much more dependent on the sector. And it's absolutely huge. It, it is involved in the provision of health, education, aged care, child care, the environment, arts and culture, you know, e- even our pets, you know, through the RSPCA. So they're very important nation's social fabric, but they're also a big part of the economy. About 8% of Australian GDP is through charities and collectively they employ about 1.3 million paid staff. So that's about 10% of the workforce. It's bigger than construction sector. It's bigger than all of manufacturing. Right. On top of that, of course, there's there's an army of volunteers.
0: Mm, that's a, a, a lot of people, a lot of jobs.
2: That is. I mean, we depend on them. You know, we most obviously depend on them in times of crisis, you know, when they step in to provide basic services and care. The volunteer fireys of last summer, the food banks that even now are feeding hundreds of thousands of people who can't afford to put food on the table. But it's not only in times of crisis. As Tim Costello told me, much of what we think of as the social safety net that the government provides is actually dependent on charities' delivery mechanism. Perhaps there's been a wake-up call to many Australians to realise
1: uh, how much of uh, what we think is the safety net the government provides is actually dependent upon charities to be the uh, arms and legs, to be the vehicle of that safety net.
0: And so, Mike, our reliance on charity is increasing, but the funds for charities have been declining over time. Is that right?
2: That is right, broadly. I mean, the the sector's always been counter-cyclical. In, in hard times, economic hard times, they're less likely to receive donations, but also that's when the, the demand for their services is greatest. So it's always tricky for them in tough times when we need them the most. But even before the recent crises, charities were doing it tough. I spoke to Miles McGregor-Lowndes, who's a professor emeritus in law and public policy at the Queensland University of Technology, and the founding director of the Australian Centre for Philanthropy and Nonprofit Studies. And he says fewer Australians appear to be giving. Between 2016 and 2018, there was a very sizable drop in the number of taxpayers who claimed a donation on their tax returns. It was down about 100,000 people, which is a fairly significant number. And he said that's a trend that's been going on for a few years now. Fewer people are giving. So, um, as to why this could be the case, he thinks most likely it's a reflection of the weak economy because wage growth has been low and cost of living pressures have been mounting. Those things were a burden on donors well before the current crisis.
0: So, Mike, if we're in this starvation cycle where charities are becoming less viable and we know that charities have less money but more people need their help,
2: what happens? Well, there will be more hungry people and more homeless people, as the recession, depression, I think people are starting to call it now, goes on, and so much more demand on those frontline charities. The good news is, so far at least, the food banks and the accommodation services, although they're stretched, are at least still getting donations at this stage. The thing is, though, it's taking money from other parts of the charitable sector. Charities that support the arts, the environment, sporting clubs who provide things like childcare, you know, all those other services that charities provide, which are important to society but are not necessarily seen as urgent in a time like this, they will in many cases just have to cut their services and reduce their advocacy work, which is another very important thing that charities do. In 12 or 24 months from now, there's going to be a lot of these charities. We can't be sure exactly how many, but there will be a lot of these charities that are sort of charitable concerns in name only, having gone through the starvation cycle, unable to deliver their services, probably hanging on with just a few volunteers and hoping that things get better. And so, taken in total, what we'll see is is just a hollowing out of civil society, I think. As Tim Costello said, charities are the threads that hold the social fabric together, so it's very concerning that those threads might be starting to break.
0: Mike, Thank you so much for your time today.
2: Thank you very much for speaking with me.
0: So, does everyone miss the Beanie Club?
1: Yes, oh yes, we we ring each other every couple of weeks, that one rings that and and I say, I'll ring that one, and you ring that one, and (laughs) yes. And we're all doing still fine.
0: And you think you'll probably be able to get back to the Beanie
1: Club? Oh yes, oh yes, soon when, when uh, it's over, we uh, be back there every Monday. We, we just do it by you know, you see, I said once the church is open for everybody and everybody can sit somewhere, uh, everywhere again, then I go back to church and then we go back to the beanie club too. If there is not a second wave coming here, so maybe in the next month or so we would go back again. Yeah, so um. that's, yeah, so yeah, well, in, years ago, Oh, you're not taping this anymore. Are you? you want me to stop you're taping?
0: The- I can stop taping. Um-
1: <laughs> yeah, but i tell-
0: <laughs> As a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read POST, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Also in the news, Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk has announced that anyone from the greater Sydney area will be prohibited from entering the state. The decision comes after two people in Queensland tested positive to COVID after travelling from Melbourne via Sydney. A criminal investigation has also been launched, looking into whether the two individuals had misled authorities when entering the state. Meanwhile, in New South Wales, another 19 cases of COVID have been reported, with a new cluster emerging in Sydney's east. Victoria reported 295 new cases yesterday. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.